My name is Brenda. If we haven't had the privilege to meet, or maybe if you're new here and joining us uh, for the first time, uh, I'm Brenda. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is my privilege to get to close out our series called Counterformed today with a really practical message on how we can take what we've learned in this series and just apply it to our lives in a super practical way. And so just to recap, in case you weren't here for you know, much of it, you know, I'm looking out at some people who are maybe in Hawaii for the last, like, I don't know how long or whatever. I'm not jealous or anything, but um, and I know some of you have missed from week to week. So just in recap, we have been talking about the spiritual disciplines and practices and how Jesus modeled a life for us um, that is ours to pick up and to carry in this world. And that it's our choice and our responsibility to actually apply the teachings of Jesus, to pick up the example of what he showed us and begin to apply it to our everyday lives. Information isn't all that great for us if we're not applying it and actually living it. And isn't that why we're here? Because we actually wanna live the life. We actually want to do what Jesus did and live the life that he modeled for us and carry on and do the works that he did. But if we're not intentional about how we build that into our lives, we can go by day, by day, by day, by day and not actually live the life that God has called us to. And so we've been talking about these spiritual practices or disciplines. If you've been here over the last several weeks, we've talked about Sabbath and we've talked about giving and being generous with our money. We've talked about a silence and solitude and prayer and scripture reading and all of these things that Jesus actually practiced and modeled in his life that are ours to pick up and apply to our own lives. And we've been hearing stories from you of people who are deeply convicted by one or more of the messages that we've had in the past couple of months and have actually begun to apply these things and do them. We heard from our friend Stephanie a couple of weeks ago that she decided to fast and, and to put that in practice in her life. And if you haven't done that or you're thinking about doing it, just a reminder that the first Monday of every month, we do that corporately as a church. So if God's been prompting your heart, you need to, to fast. This is something I want you to do. Tomorrow is the day to do it. And then we gather here at seven o'clock to pray together. And those are always really great times. So we're trying to help you put a support system in place to be able to actually practice the things that we're learning. And we're challenged too as pastors to put all of these things in practice in our own lives. And it's really easy to forget. It's really easy to fall off the wagon. And that's why there's grace, right? There's grace for us when we don't get it right. There's grace for us when we mess up. There's grace for us. But grace isn't just a reason to not do it. It's actually meant to empower us to live the life that God has called us to. And I believe that there's something that God has called you to. And we're gonna talk about that a little bit later in this message, more specifically. But in general, these spiritual disciplines that we've been talking about are only the means for us to carry on the life that God has called us to. They're not actually the life. If they were, that wouldn't be much life. 
It feels like they're rules, doesn't it? It feels like they're constricting a little bit. We're gonna talk about that a little bit more today too. But they're not meant to be like that at all. They're actually meant to free us and give us life. But the disciplines are not the life. They're just the means to be able to experience the life that God has called us into. And as we've been talking about over these weeks, we need to intentionally carve out the time and space in our lives in order to be counterformed by the kingdom of God. Because all throughout our lives, we have been formed by the influences of our flesh, the world, and the devil, which Pastor Andrew is going to talk a little bit more about that next week and how those things influence our lives. But if we've been formed in one way, the kingdom of God is saying I'm, it's very different. We need to be counterformed in another way if we're going to live the life of the kingdom of God. We need to create space in our life for what really matters, becoming more like Christ. That's what we're called to. We're not necessarily just called to a life of disciplines. We're called to become more like Christ and it's the disciplines or practices of the kingdom that form that life in us. So that's what we've been talking about. If someone you know and love is coming close to passing away. I don't know if any of you have experienced this. I have. With both my mom and my dad, we had a little bit of time to have those last conversations. And often there's a lot of wisdom. People want to pass on something that they really want you to remember and to carry with you. And we're going to read a little bit of Jesus's last words to his disciples today. These are very important words. They were important to Jesus. And we're going to look at the emphasis in this passage of scripture in John 15. And this is at the Last Supper. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he obviously wants to pass on to them what was very important to him. And he says this, starting in verse one, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. That's key to everything that we have been talking about. You cannot bear fruit in your life. You cannot change. You cannot do the things that God has called you to do unless you remain in him. He goes on to say, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you would bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. <clears throat> I have told you this so that you may have joy and that your joy 
may be complete. So Jesus is sharing with his disciples how to have a joy-filled life, how to be content in all things, how to live at peace. And I don't know if you noticed, but 11 times in that passage, he says the words, remain in me. Some of your versions of the Bible you're used to reading might say, abide in the vine. You've heard that language before. Growing up as a kid, like I had no clue what that meant in church. I'd be like, okay, whatever. Like, I don't get it. (laughs) I don't understand. What Jesus is saying is, just as I have remained in the Father's love, he said, just as I've put these practices in place to foster my relationship with my heavenly Father, so I'm asking you to abide in me, to remain in me, to live with me, and then everything is gonna be okay. And I know there's a lot of things that we try to do in life, a lot of things we try to accomplish, a lot of things we set our minds to do, a lot of stuff going on, but he's saying, if you would just remain in me, if that would be the focus of your life, if you could just abide with me and remain with me, then we would be okay. We'd figure everything else out. What's important is you remain in me. Paul uses the same language when he talks about being found in Christ, that we would be in him. A book I read many years ago called The Jesus Manifesto talked about this in a picture form of being like a bottle that has sunk to the bottom of the ocean and it's filled with water on the inside, but it's surrounded by water on the outside. We are in Christ and he is in us. That's a picture of how you can imagine that. And when you are in him, when he is in you, you do life together and then everything is so much easier. The the term there, abiding, remaining, It's about creating space to experience this peace and this joy that Jesus is talking about, this life of contentment in his presence. And it is the only path that he gives us to fruitfulness. If we wanna be fruitful in our lives, if we wanna do something for Jesus, we need to remain in him and abide with him, learning his way, his truth, his perspective, what his kingdom is all about. It's our place of grounding and centering in his presence. It's learning to do life with Jesus at the center of everything. Not just a little prayer, and then I walk out and I do my own thing. Not just one day of fasting, and then I walk out of that, and again, I just do my own thing. It's learning to live every movement, every decision, every choice, everything that we do, soaked in the presence of God, aware of his presence with us as we walk and talk and work and move in everything that we do, we're aware of his presence with us in it. And I feel like this is probably, you know, the the place that we go wrong the most is thinking that we come into the presence of God and then leave and and just go about our own thing and our own day and our own agenda and all of the things that we wanna do. And we forget that he comes with us. 
that abiding in him means that he comes with us into everything that we do, that we are in him and with him always, that at any moment you could just literally in a crowd of people, wherever you are, just close your eyes and go, okay, God, I sense your presence. You're with me. I know you're with me. I remember that. I choose to remember that today. It's abiding with Jesus. It's a different kind of life. And he's saying, this is the only way you're going to get to peace. I found this quote, but I didn't write down who it was from, um, unfortunately. But it's so good, I'm going to share it with you. It said, we are not undone by poor theology or a lack of biblical information, but by failing to make space for a deep abiding fellowship with God. We're not undone by our lack of information. And that's, I think, what we think all of the time. I just need to learn more. I just need to know more. I just need to figure this out. What actually undoes our lives is a lack of abiding with Jesus, a lack of being with him and recognizing his presence and activity in our everyday lives. And I'm convinced that every stressful, hurtful, and difficult thing in our lives will be healed, resolved, and restored in the presence of God. Everything, when it comes under his lordship and leadership, when we have a greater awareness of his presence and his activity in our everyday life. And part of the problem here, I think part of why Jesus said this over and over, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me, is because we have such a tendency to drift away. Our hearts have a tendency to forget about him, to forget about his presence, and to drift towards the things that are shiny, that our eyes desire, that our hearts want. And this isn't a new problem. This isn't just from our world and our age and all the technical things and you know the world at our fingertips. This isn't a new problem. God talked about to the, the Israelites about this over and over and over, but I'm just gonna quote one time in Deuteronomy 4.9, he said, Be careful and watch yourselves closely so you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Don't forget what God has done. Don't forget that he's always with you. Don't let that fade from your heart. How often do we do that? We have these great moments or miracles or salvation moments and we, we feel like we, you know, you're on top of the world, but how quickly do we forget what God has done? How quickly do we walk out of his presence and get captured by all of the things going on in our world and feel like we can fix them and navigate them and control them and figure it out on our own, our self-sufficiency. And we forget that the only way to peace and joy is remaining in him, walking with him, abiding with him. So we have a tendency to drift and to forget The goal of the Christian life is to be firmly anchored in the presence of Jesus, to carry him with us in all things. He is the source of everything that we need. There is nothing we need that will be found outside of him. And so if we could just learn to remain in him. But this is a choice. It's a daily choice. This is something else that God said to the Israelites back in Deuteronomy somewhere. I didn't write this one down. But you have a choice. You get to choose between life and death. You get to choose between blessing and cursing. You get to choose. It's your choice. Adam and Eve had a choice. We know what they chose. Everybody in human history has had this choice. I choose how I'm going to live my life. 
I choose what I'm going to do with the time that God has given me and how I'm, go I'm going to steward the life and the calling that he has placed on me. I choose that. And I don't know about you, but when I say those words, even to myself, I, I cringe a little bit because I feel like I've wasted time. I feel like there's seasons of my life where I haven't remained in him, where I've tried to do my own thing or pushed ahead on my own. And then I come back and he always receives us back, that's grace but I feel like I'm starting all over again. I hope I'm not the only one who can be honest here in this place. Sometimes we feel like we're back to square one again and again and again and again. We fail, we mess up, we do that. But grace says we don't have to have shame about it, that we can start again today. We have that choice every single day when we wake up. Am I gonna remain in Christ today? And really, all we can think about is today. <laughs> Today is the day of salvation. That's, that's what God talks about. Today is the day. Today is the day to, to recommit. Today is the day to come back. Today is the day to make the right choice. I can't worry about what's gonna happen tomorrow, but today I can remain in him. Today I can abide in him. Today I can stay close to him, just today. Tomorrow I'll wake up and hopefully be able to do the same thing, but today, Jesus, I'm gonna remain in you. Today, I'm gonna stay close to you. Today, I'm gonna do those things that you're calling me to do. And today we're gonna to talk about a really practical tool for those who want to abide in Christ, for those who want to live their life centered in his presence. It's a way of taking all of these things that we've been learning about over this series and putting them into practice in our life. It's called a rule of life. And I don't know, I, I was out with a, some friends last night and they were like, what, what is that? Never heard of that before. I was like, okay, I guess we need to talk about this because people are unfamiliar with this term, a rule of life. But it actually goes back to the first couple of centuries after Jesus, to Christians who took his words about abiding in him seriously and actually began to be very intentional about how they structured their life around time with Jesus how they structured their lives and their schedules and their time around putting him first. And this is something that, you know, we are so busy in our modern world. They thought they were busy back then. We should plop one of them. Like we watched a time travel movie this week. You know, I wish I could just plop one of those desert fathers or mothers who thought their life was so busy and crazy into today. They'd be so overwhelmed. But there was this desire in their heart, this call of their heart to be with Jesus. And so they did everything they could to form their schedules and their lives and everything about their world around being with Jesus. When I first heard about a rule of life, I was, I, I was the same as you maybe today. I was like, I don't know what that is. Never heard of that before. But as it was explained to me, I started to realize that I was already doing it intuitively, naturally, I was already putting structure in place in my life like we're gonna talk about today, to make time with Jesus. And maybe you're doing that too, and maybe you've done some of it, maybe you need to do more of it, but we're just gonna talk through what this actually means. So when we say rule of life, I know that can trip some of us up because of that word rule, because we don't like rules, right? We want relationship, of course. And 
We don't want anyone to confine what we're doing or tell us what to do. We're gonna get to that in a second. But this word rule actually comes from the same root word as regulate. And it has a bit of a, a, it's akin to something like a trellis. And so if you think of a vine, we think of Jesus' example that we just read in John 15 about abiding in the vine. And think about having a trellis, if we are branches of that vine, to attach ourselves to that gives us support for growth and fruitfulness. If you're gardeners in the room or if you live near grape um, fields, what are they called? <laughs> Vineyards. <laughs> I should know this. I've lived in Niagara long enough. You can see how this works, right? How vines actually naturally want the support in order to grow. And if you don't give them a vine to support their growth, they'll lay on the ground and they'll be, their fruit, if they have any, will rot and there'll be no life in that vine. But a vine naturally wants to go, have a shape to go to. It wants to have a structure to go to. I don't think we're far off from that. We want a life of abiding in Jesus, but we need a little bit of structure, like a trellis, to build our lives on. If we have too much st structure, we often feel like we're suffocating. If we have too little structure, we get too many choices and we get overwhelmed. As humans, we need some structure. This goes back to the garden, to Adam and Eve, who were released to lead, but under the lordship of Jesus. There was some structure. It was in relationship. He walked and talked with them every day, and then they were released to lead in the garden. They abided with Jesus and stepped out to do the things he was calling them to do. And so we need to learn this in our lives too. Pete Scazzaro, um, if you wanted to go online, he has some great tools for this as well. But he said this, a rule of life is an intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything that we do. It's being intentional about our life in Christ. It's, it, it's recognizing that it won't just happen on its own. We're not just gonna fall into a great relationship with God. We have to build it just like we build every other relationship in our life. And putting a structure in place to help us do that is setting healthy limits and boundaries for every area of our life. So you can say, based on our messages from the last few weeks, you can say, I really wanna be a more generous person like Pastor Andrew was talking about. I wanna tithe and give, but if you don't sit down and actually look at your budget and actually put it into place and make it happen, you're not going to become the person that you want to be. You can say, I want a healthier marriage and a healthier family, but it's gonna take putting down your phone and being present with them in order to invest in relationship in the people in your lives. We have to intentionally do things. And how often, phones are a perfect example, how often do you just pick up your phone when you're standing in line, when you have a few quiet minutes and what do we do? We immediately go to our phones and we start zoning out and doing whatever on our phone instead of looking the people in the eye who are with us and being super present. 
We've sort of had a, a rule of like no phones basically at dinner time. My youngest children are sitting in the front row here and they probably get away with it the most more than anyone else ever did. But having that time where we actually sit down as a family and we have conversation and we talk, I, you know, I hear people say, well, we never do that. I'm like, I don't know how you connect as a family if you don't sit down over dinner, but that's a practice that we've put into place that we always all sit down together and we eat. If someone's got to go somewhere, we do it before they have to leave. Like we are, are pretty vigilant about sitting down to dinner together. I know a lot of people don't do that, but we put structures in place in our life for the priorities that we have, for the things that we feel are important and what could be more important than our relationship with God. We need to take this seriously. A good rule of life will help us to be good stewards of the life that God has given us to experience that joy and contentment that Jesus was talking about. So two things that a good rule of life can do for us. First, a good rule of life can help us turn our ideas and desires into reality. So you desire to be a faithful servant of God. You desire to walk in the calling that he has on your life. You desire to be a good Christian, to grow in Christ, to be more like him, to be more fruitful, to see the fruit of the spirit produced in your life. You desire all of those things, I know that. That's probably why you're here. But if you are not intentional about giving the structure for those things to grow, then are they ever actually really gonna happen? We have great intentions, we have great desires, but do we, do we actually make those things happen? That's the question. So a rule of life is going to give you the structure to be more intentional about making sure those things actually happen in your daily life. One of the things that I talked about several weeks ago when we talked about solitude and silence was that I began about four years ago, I guess, giving the first hour of my day to God. Started getting up early, I didn't like that, but it was a shift and a change that I had to make in my life if I wanted to be intentional about the time I was gonna spend with him. So I started to set my alarm earlier. I started to go to bed earlier. I started to get up and, and intentionally spend that hour. And it took probably a few months before I was like, this is life-giving. This is the best hour I spend in my entire day. This is where I learn to abide. This is where I learn to remain. This is where I anchor myself every single day. Fasting wasn't a big thing for me. Before I came to this church and Pastor Andrew and his parents, Herman Cheryl, they're, they're big on fasting. This was a thing that was kind of new to me. And learning about it and understanding it and why it's good for us. And I'm like, I love that one Monday a month at least. That's the least I can do in terms of that. But I have done other stretches of fasting, which I had never done before in my life. Just learning how to center myself in the presence and listen to the voice of God through fasting. But these, they're not just gonna happen. If, if we don't intentionally put them in our calendars and actually set them in our schedules, everything else will pull us away. There are so many distractions. And you know what? Again, we're gonna talk about this next week with Pastor Andrew, but the enemy doesn't want you to be in that place. He's gonna throw everything in your way to try to keep you from going to that place to be alone with Jesus, to do that discipline or that practice that you've decided to do. You'll get everything thrown at you. 
You have to be very intentional about doing this. So a rule of life can help us turn our ideas and desires into reality, and it can also help us to experience peace. And when I say peace, I mean what the Bible calls shalom, that deep, pervasive sense of well-being, that no matter what happens in my life, I'm going to be okay, that everything that happens in my day, good or bad, whatever is difficult has been sifted through the loving hands of God, that I can trust his sovereignty, that I know that he has me in his hands no matter what, that my world doesn't get rocked by every little thing that happens around me or to me in a day, but that I'm actually at peace in his presence, relaxed, no matter what happens. I don't have to try to control the outcomes in my life or escape my reality. I think most of us actually live with a constant low-grade anxiety or guilt or fear or shame, something hanging over us all of the time. Many of us live that way. We're reactive instead of proactive. We're continually overwhelmed and exhausted and distracted in life. We're busy, but we never get to what really matters. Our lives are really full, but we're incredibly unfulfilled in how we live them. Our emotional tanks are running on empty. It's hard to handle the difficult things that come up and we experience little or no real peace. That's just the norm. God has called us to a different kind of life. You can actually live in peace and walk in peace. He has promised that to us, but we'll never find it anywhere except in his presence. We need to learn to remain in him. Someone once said to achieve Inner peace, our schedule needs to be aligned with our values. That if we're not actually doing the things we desire to do, if we're not actually putting them on our schedule and making sure that they happen, we're never gonna live at peace. We're always gonna feel like we're behind, like we're not getting it done, like we're not doing enough if we don't align our actual physical schedule with the things we desire, what God is building and calling us to and doing in our lives. So there's two different worldviews that compete here a little bit. The world says that, you know, don't put a rule on my life. Don't you tell me what to do. Don't confine me, right? It's all about independence is freedom. I'm going to carve my own way. I'm going to make my way in this world. I'm going to do the things that I want to do, right? I'm going to build my life. I'm going to be true to me. You do you, boo, right? It's like... <laughs> Just be you. And, that, and we think that that is freedom, following our dreams, all of this stuff that we see. These are the constant messages around us. So we think, and this is the worldview, that independence would equal freedom. But in God's kingdom, pretty much everything is flipped around. And in God's kingdom, dependence equals freedom. When we are fully dependent on him, when we follow Jesus' teaching in his way, when we're fully dependent on how he's telling us how to live, that's where we will experience and find true freedom. It will never come from the things that we desire for ourselves. We think it will, we're convinced it will, but it actually comes through total dependence to what God has called us into. Jesus came to give us life to the fullest or more abundant, some versions say. But are we experiencing life to the fullest? Do you feel like you're experiencing life abundantly? 
Maybe part of what you need is to learn how to remain in him, to abide in his presence. It's not more things, it's not more money, it's not more success. It's learning to be with Jesus. Jesus also said that he gives us an easy yoke. In Matthew chapter 11, he said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. How do we become weary and burdened? By trying to do it all on our own, by trying to figure it all out, by trying to stack up our bank accounts so we're comfortable. That's how we become weary and burdened, by trying to do life by our own standards and measures. But he says, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if you study the scriptures, you know that Jesus' yoke that he's talking about there was his way, his teachings, his interpretation of scripture, the way he was living life. If you do it the way that I'm instructing you, if you do it my way, you're gonna experience that ease and that peace that I want for you so desperately. Jesus doesn't want you to be struggling. Time after time, when he was here on earth, he said, I'm giving you peace. I want you to walk in joy. That's why these last words that we read were so important because he said, this is the way that you'll have joy. He wants us to experience peace and joy in this world. He doesn't want us to be pulled in every direction and frazzled and tired. He wants us to experience that peace and joy. He wants that for you. It's only when we lay down all of our self-sufficiency and our floundering and struggle can we actually receive his easy way of doing things. So a rule... It's not about setting goals or resolutions. I know some of you do this, you'll set goals for work or different things like that. This is a little bit different. It's not more rules to follow in your life, but it is a commitment to be faithful to the life that God has called you to. I'm gonna say that again, because it's important. This is a commitment to walk in and follow the life that God has called you to. I'm gonna read this last piece of scripture and then we're gonna be really practical here at the end about how to put together your own rule of life. This is one of the most challenging and provoking pieces of scripture for me. I'm gonna read a chunk, but it's the last line that does me in every single time. I'm not gonna cry, I'm not. Philippians 3, seven to 12 is what we're gonna read. Paul says, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of just knowing Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And look at the words he uses, be found in him. This is like a reference back to what we read Jesus said earlier, remain in me, remain in me. Paul's saying nothing else matters anymore. I just wanna be found in Christ. I wanna be found in him, staying with him, remaining with him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ. 
the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I wanna know Christ. Yes, to know the power of the resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or already have arrived at the goal, and this is the part that does me in every time, but I press to take hold for that for which Christ took hold of me. What did Christ take a hold of your life for? Do you know? Do you have a vision of what that looks like? Because he took hold of you for a purpose and a reason. You didn't find him, he found you. And he took a hold of your life for something precious. So are you taking hold of that thing for which he took hold of you? Gosh, those are challenging words to me. I want to live in a way where I press towards taking hold of the things for which Christ took hold of me. My calling is different from yours. Yours is different from mine. But God has called you to something. Are you taking hold of that life intentionally? Are you pressing towards that? Are you aligning your schedule and your days with the things that God has called you to? Those are challenging words to me. I don't know how you feel right now about the structure of a rule of life. You might think it's crazy, inspiring. I don't know even what she's talking about. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you this. You actually already have a rule of life. You already have one. And it's often unconscious and we're not really thinking about it a whole lot. But you make choices every day and your choices will make you. Every day we make choices about what time we're gonna get up, how we're gonna spend the first minutes of our day, when we're gonna pick up our coffee, who we're gonna see, what our work day is gonna look like, how much time we're gonna spend with our family, how much time we're gonna spend just sitting with our spouse, building relationship with them, how we're gonna save or spend our money, we make choices every single day that set the course of our life. So you have some rules. You have ones you follow, whether you think about it much or not. You have a rule of life, a way that you go about doing things, a structure for how your life goes. So the question today isn't, do you want one? It isn't, do you think you need one? The question today is, do you actually know what it is? And is it, intentional about building a life where you remain in Christ? Are you satisfied with the rule of life that you have? Is it bringing peace and contentment or are you craving something different? Because if you're craving something different, then you might need to make some practical changes. I know this isn't like a super fiery kind of message. It's really practical today, but it's true. We're never going to be all that God has called us to be or live the life that he has called us to if we don't make this a priority to set our lives around the things that really matter. So here's, I'm gonna go through really quickly how I put together a rule of life. Um, and I want you to know you don't have to take notes. You don't have to think about this a whole lot right now because as you've been sitting in this service, an email has gone out 
So when you leave today, you're gonna have an email in your inbox that's gonna give you the six things that I'm gonna outline super fast here at the end, a bit of an explanation of how to do this on your own, Plus, it's gonna have links to an online rule of life building tool and John Mark Comer's video series on the ruthless elimination of hurry, which is a great one if you wanna spend some time digging into that. So lots of resources we wanna give you today, but you'll be able to sit down with these six things and go through them yourself. So the way that I do it is this. First, I take an honest look at my weekly schedule. In the season of life that I'm in, what is going on in my week? And I actually get out a calendar and I lay out a Monday through Sunday schedule for my week. Blank at first. And then the next thing that I do is I put in all of the non-negotiable things. All of the things that I have to do, whether I want to or not. I have to go to work. I love going to work, but you might feel like you have to go to work. I have to go to these shifts at work. I have to do these certain things. And you know what? In different seasons of life, that's going to look different. I have to pick up the kids from school, or I know many of you are homeschoolers. I got to spend this amount of time with the kids today. Whatever your schedule looks like, put in the things first that are non-negotiable, the things that you have to do. It may also be something in each different season, there's different things. You may be caring for an aging parent and that's something that takes a lot of your time and energy. Put that in your schedule. And then once you have all of those things in that are the non-negotiable pieces, then we look at the remaining pockets of time and consider how you're currently spending them. Are you zoning out? Are you escaping? Are you wasting time? Are you running around doing a million things but feel like you never get them done? What does is, what is the rest of your time look like? Take an honest look at that. And take an honest look at how you're building your life in Christ. What am I doing that actually builds my relationship with God? I'm gonna ask God these questions. What do I need to stop? What do I need to start? And what do I need to continue? So is there something in my life that's actually distracting me from you and from your presence? Do I need to stop something or limit my amount of time on it? I have been slowly limiting all of my social media. I kind of went off Facebook near the beginning of COVID because I just didn't like how it made me feel to be on there. (laughs) And then Instagram. And now I've removed them both from my phone just in the last few weeks. So I'm not even like, you know, late at night, I've got a few minutes. Oh, I'll just go on Instagram and... I don't know what my algorithm is, but all I get is puppy videos. But I don't know who set that up for me, but it's very relaxing. So I I was like, but I'm just wasting time watching dumb puppy videos. So I I just took them both off my phone because there's there's no reason for them. I don't need them right now in this season. And they were distracting me. Maybe it's Netflix. Maybe it's something else you're doing and spending more and more time on that you're just going, wait, this is becoming a waste of precious time. Our time is precious. It's a resource. It's something that we have to steward faithfully in this life. And so I look at what do I need to stop or limit? What do I need to start? Is God calling me or asking me to start a certain practice or discipline? Is this where I fit in prayer? Is this where I fit in scripture reading? What is he calling me to add? And what are the things that I've been doing okay or like this is all right and I can just continue? What do I stop, start, and continue? Those are great questions. If that's all you get today, just to reset your schedule a little bit. Start small. 
Don't start where you wanna be, start where you are today. Start small and just start adding these things in. Commit to it for a set period of time. So I always set my rule of life for about three to six months because life changes, seasons of life change. So I'll set it in January for about six months. I revisit it again. I'll set it usually for the summer and then again in the fall. So because of the rhythms of church and just how we do ministry, that works for me. I don't know what will work for you, but my encouragement is to actually commit to it for a certain amount of time because we need time for the new habits to grow in our life and to see fruitfulness. Remember when I said I started that hour in the morning? It was months before I started to see the fruitfulness and actually enjoy that time. So we need to give it the time to actually let it sit into our day and go easy on yourself and keep revisiting it. Have grace for yourself. You're gonna miss stuff, you're gonna mess up. Last night, like I have this rule <laughs> for life that I never make plans before, like the Saturday night before I speak because I wanna be super focused and like on point and everything. And our weeks got changed around. So we had plans and I was out last night with friends and then I was tired this morning. I'm like, why do I do this to myself? Well, I just wasn't intentional about it, right? I love my friends. I had a whole lot of fun <laughs> and stayed out past my bedtime. But it, it's, it's like, I, need, I realize I need to be intentional about making these things happen. People will understand you're not going to let anyone down and you're going to be a better person in the long run if you actually put these things in practice in your life and you're going to be able to minister to others and pour into their lives when you have that peace that you've so desperately been seeking. I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet for a moment. What I recognize at the end of a message like this is that a lot of us can feel some some guilt, if, if Ben or Spencer wants to jump on the keys for a sec, that would be awesome just at the end here. Um, thanks, Ben. We can feel a little bit of guilt. Maybe you've recognized that, yeah, you know what, I do waste time. I need to get a hold on that. Yeah, there's things going on in my life that I'm not intentional about. It's like they just happen to me. I need to get a hold on that. And there's a tendency for us to feel this like guilt or shame in these moments. And I just wanted to dispel that right now in the presence of God. There is no shame or guilt in this message at all. This is a message of life and freedom. And I only know that because I've been practicing it, because I've been doing it. It brings life to me. Yes, there's more changes I wanna make. Yes, I wanna be more faithful with the time that I have. I wanna do more things for Jesus but there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We stand in him, washed clean by his blood, under the covering of his grace. And he is the one who empowers us to actually do the things he calls us to do. He's not gonna ask us to do anything that's too hard or too heavy. And he's gonna walk with us in it as we get more intentional about our lives. So I want you to just take a moment and just close your eyes focus on Jesus just for a second. Maybe there's something that's stirred in your heart over this message, just one thing, just one simple thing that he's saying, here's a change that you could make. Here's a way you could be more intentional. Here's the person I'm calling you to be. Try to get just a vision for that. What would your life look like if you were more generous, if you were more present with the people you love, if you were able to have the time and energy to do more volunteering or serving, if you had more money to be more generous with.
What would your life look like? Can you catch a vision of that? I feel like we need a vision for what our lives can look like when God gets a hold of them. I'm gonna share one last thought that just came to me this morning and I just wanna share it really quickly with you here at the end. One of the most fascinating stories to me in the Bible, I I pick up on some of these small things sometimes. During the plagues in Egypt, there's there's one moment that really catches my attention when I read that story. It's during the plague of the frogs. And I can't, I mean, all of the plagues are gross, but I can't think of something more gross than frogs everywhere. And it like, it describes it. It says they're in the ovens and in their beds. Can you imagine a plague of frogs? They're disgusting. And Moses comes to Pharaoh and he said, God said, it's your choice. When do you want this plague to be over? You know what Pharaoh said? Tomorrow. Can you imagine? I'm gonna sleep one more night with frogs in my bed. I'm gonna choose that. But what do we say? When are you gonna go to the gym? Tomorrow. When are you gonna start that new diet you know is better for your health? Tomorrow. Don't we do, isn't that our nature? We put stuff off. Why would we stay with those frogs one more night? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that God's asking you to make the change. Today is the day that he's saying, come on, let's do this. Don't put it off anymore. Don't put it off anymore. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your encouragement to us today. I thank you, Father, for that scripture that when Jesus was speaking to his disciples that we read here today, that repetitive, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. God, those are the people we wanna be. We wanna be the ones who are faithful to the call to remain in Christ. So would you prompt our hearts, even this week, even today, would you prompt our hearts with little changes we can make to be more intentional about building a life that is anchored in you, building a life that is centered on you, that we would find you and see you in everything that we do, Jesus. We ask for your grace and your covering over us today, over our minds and our hearts. I pray that there would be no shame or guilt as anyone walks out of this place today, but that we would walk out in your grace and in your prompting to be able to do what you're calling us to do and be more faithful with the lives that you have given us. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we just wanna do the best to honor you with every day that you give us. In your name we pray, amen.